Good afternoon to you. It is Sunday, December 4th at 1.52 p.m. I didn't get a chance to do a post-game wrap last night at what, 1 a.m. or whatever when I would when I got back home. So after church today, I thought I'd drop a quick one here. Uh, that sounded wrong. Uh, it, was a, it was a fun afternoon, evening, if you were in Indianapolis as a Purdue fan. I'll talk a little bit about that, about that and the... Um, the high-level effort Purdue gave and the solid game plan and all that stuff. But first, let me thank our sponsors. Thanks to Martin Vintage. Martin Vintage did not make this shirt, obviously. A lot of plaid here. Uh, but Martin Vintage makes some uh, some damn good T-shirts, and they have Purdue graphics on them, and they're a Purdue family. Head over to Martin Vintage, interboil at checkout, get 15% off. And when you're on campus, if you're going to this afternoon's game, you better get up there. It's getting getting close. Um, I get not really. But if you're going to the game, if you're going to be on campus, head over to AJ's on Vine, and uh, and grab a grab a pint, grab a burger, grab some beer, um, a pint, burger, beer, beef, Italian beef, burgers, beef, beer, AJ's, and over eataj's.com if you want to order ahead. So. Um, yeah, yesterday I was blessed enough to be able to get tickets, go to the game, be in Indianapolis uh, for the uh, for the Big Ten Championship. I thought this is a pretty special opportunity as a Purdue fan to uh, to be at, at the game. I don't know if the chance is going to come up again, honestly, because of the super division that's coming and all the variables that are happening in college football. I just don't know what it's going to look like in a couple of years, so I thought – a uh, good chance to do that. My son and I went down to Indy. We met my brother and his son. And, um, we don't live far away, but I don't get in Indy as much as I used to. You know, I grew up there. And um, the atmosphere was fun. There, it was. Uh, you probably read this on Twitter, read this on Facebook. There were tons, tons of uh, Michigan fans in downtown Indy. Um, decidedly, decidedly pulled towards uh, the maize and blue. But it was good to be there as a Purdue fan. Um, I heard some people complaining both on Knucklehead Board and on Twitter and elsewhere that Purdue didn't do their job. Here's the thing. I don't like that sort of complaint um, because there were a, there were still tens of thousands of Purdue fans there, and you can only control what you can do. So I was there, and things happen for people, and they don't come. And around Christmas time, things are pretty expensive, especially – 170, 200, 250 a pop for tickets, which they were. And if you're anything like me, you came into the game, and you guys know this. If you're watching this, you probably watched some of my pregame thoughts. But um, if you're you're like me, you thought uh, Michigan's a better team, and Purdue's going to really struggle to to win, if not really compete. The great news is they competed. They fought uh, for a half. They had a good game plan. We saw Jeff Brom's uh, gadget plays back. They had a fake flea flicker that put, uh, say that a couple times fast, put Michigan on their heels and got Maccabee some yards, which was hard for Purdue to run all day. Very difficult. They had a fake punt with Payne Durham, chewing up a chunk of yards, barely getting the first down, but getting the first down. Um, and uh, it, it was, it, Jeff Brom had a good offensive game plan. Purdue's defense was doing what it could, but it was so obvious. It was so obvious how, Michigan was just better at almost every position on the field. Their their athletes are fast. The the players are strong. They were well coached. They did not take Purdue lightly. Um, Purdue was fighting to stay in the game, to stay uh, ahead of them. 
uh, well, they couldn't stay ahead of them. They never were ahead of them, right? They're down 7-0, then they tied it, then they got down 14-7, to and then they got two more field goals, if I remember correctly. Great day for Finneran, speaking of field goals, five field goals. His confidence is back. Could be because he was indoors, who knows? But great effort uh, by Mitchell Finneran. Nice to see him getting back into the playing the way he did last season. And also, Aiden O'Connell played... He gave us glimpses of what we saw last season. The way he ended the season, the last six games uh, for O'Connell, this was reminiscent of it because in the first half, O'Connell completed 89% of his passes. An eye-popping number versus a defense like that. Seems like Michigan was taking away a couple things from the jump. Their athletic linebackers, no surprise, they were all over Durham, keeping him out of the pass game. Uh, O'Connell took what was given to him. He uh, Marshawn Rice got involved very, very early, which was great to see. Um, and uh, Sheffield had a big catch or two. And, of course, Charlie Jones just continues to do what he did all season, catching the ball in traffic with very, very good defenders. Uh, but at the, the, the first half quickly swung away from the Boilers. In the second half, there was a big play um, where – uh, I think it was Michigan's Edwards bounced the ball outside, bounced the, a run outside, and he was off to the races. I think Reese missed the tackle, if I'm remembering, remembering correctly, coming up on run support. And uh, Michigan got about 65 yards on that single run. Uh, Trice came over and looked like he was had bad intentions and was going to give Edwards the business, and uh, Edwards stepped out of bounds, which I was like, man, I'll tell you what, with all that he- full head of steam, You'd think maybe he could have dragged it down to inside the 10, but I think he probably thought, and somebody's coached him, lived to fight another day and, and step out of bounds, and sure enough, Michigan scored, I think, two plays later. Big plays killed Purdue, and a couple key plays were really pivotal. Uh, that was a big one, of course. The um, O'Connell's interception was was pretty big, and up to that point, O'Connell played such a brilliant game, um, he really stared down, I think it was Sheffield on that play. Either Sheffield or Jones, can't remember. Um, but he stared him down. The Michigan cornerback was all over it, and um, and he jumped on it. There was another uh, another thing that I saw was important was in a key stanza of the game. See, Michigan, if you've watched them the rest of the season, which probably most of you have, they have an amazing uh, ability to just pulverize teams in the fourth quarter. And the third quarter, they started pretty well, and they started they uh, exerted themselves and flexed their muscles on Purdue. But there was a key period, a key genre, uh, a key stanza genre, key stanza in that third quarter where uh, Purdue couldn't move the ball. It was very early. Purdue couldn't move the ball on offense. Had to punt. Michigan roughed uh, Ansel, uh, absolutely roughed him because it was he was hit by a shoulder pad, helmet, and arm in his hip and midsection, which is a tackle. Uh, the play was away. He 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 dropped. He bobbled the snap, which hurt. But uh, the Michigan player probably thought he was going to block it cleanly, and he didn't. And so he roughed him. Instead, the ref called running into the kicker. If that's running into the kicker, get rid of roughing altogether, because that was that was a bullcrap call. Shortly after, um, I think O'Connell threw one of his two interceptions. But on that one, it really wasn't his fault as much as it was the Michigan player climbing over the back of Bell kind of swimming, pulling him underneath, getting over the top and making the play. The game is decidedly easier when the rule of law isn't there and there are no rules, and uh, Michigan doesn't need that help. I want to, I want you guys to understand, Michigan's good enough. They don't need any of that, and uh, they got some help in a key part of the game. It felt like Purdue was doing everything they could to hold back the Michigan run or the Michigan um, kind of the, the uh, tsunami that was coming. 
but they didn't need help and they got some help. And then the final one that got me that really frustrated me, maybe more than the others, was when I think O'Connell was sacked, the Michigan defensive end, I believe, or linebacker because he was a lean guy, stayed on top of O'Connell with his hands, drove his hands into what looked like I was in the, I was in that end of the end zone in the seats, put his hands and drove O'Connell and got face mask to face mask, was yelling at him, jawing at him, talking to him, whatever. And Purdue's offensive lineman, I can't remember who it was, came over and shoved the Michigan player off. Some of you Purdue fans tried to defend, no, some of you Purdue fans tried to put down or say that Purdue offensive lineman's out of, uh, out of control, out of line, whatever. I want you to think about something. If you didn't see my Twitter exchange, um, and uh, Kyle Charters was on there too, correctly saying, they were doing, the, the lineman did the right thing. The offensive lineman's job is to protect the quarterback during the game, in between the whistles, and outside those whistles as well, I believe. That instills confidence as a team. It says, hey, we're in this thing together. And on top of that, the week that O'Connell was coming off of, they probably said, don't mess with our guy. This, this isn't right. And he defended him. It was the right thing for that Purdue offensive lineman. Darn it, I don't know if it was Musa or Bo or who it was. But uh, whoever did that, and the reason I haven't done it, I haven't gone back and watched tape. I haven't watched any post game because I was... Just kind of wound up and didn't get a chance to do it last night and really didn't have didn't feel like doing it. I'll probably watch it this week sometime. But that was the right thing to do. An offensive lineman is supposed to protect his quarterback, especially a guy like O'Connell, who is a leader of the team, who's gone through one of the wor- you know worst weeks possible. Um, he did the right thing. But that was a pivotal call because the officials had they were hell bent at that point in just making sure that Purdue wasn't going to get any edge, um, and Purdue was already. <laughs> behind the eight ball just because Michigan's so good. Sure enough, after those those shifts, Michigan had built a two-touchdown lead, maybe a three-touchdown lead at that point. And I was like, it was either two touchdowns or 17 points. The spread was 17. Purdue got one more touchdown. Michigan scored again. Um, and uh, the game was over. Michigan did what they do. Uh, they are very, very good, very well coached. They The better team won yesterday. Make no bones about it. They are talented. They are well coached. They are fast. They are strong. They are a national title contender that's legit. And they don't have Urban Meyer at coach to take Purdue lightly. Harbaugh uh, does not take Purdue lightly ever. Every time they've played a Michigan team, I think it's what, that's the second time. The other time they looked the part in that game too. Um. So Purdue loses the game um, and drops to eight and five on the season, which is weird because uh, now they're going to have a probably a pretty good bowl opponent. Looks like it'll be LSU, according to most of the media, who's just guessing uh, how things will fall. Um, but I, I, you know, the better the opponent, the better the opponent, the better it is for Purdue's program. You hope they get a good opponent, and I hope as many of these guys stay and play the game and don't opt out just because I think there are a lot of guys that could benefit from a big, another big stage game and Purdue coming away with a victory and one of those guys playing a key role, a guy like Corey Trice, for instance, who physically, man, he looks the part. And he's got some – he'll, he'll do well in the combine because he's strong and he's fast. But on field this year, there's a ton of tape of him really having big success. And another month for him to get healthy – and then to make some plays, maybe come up with an, a key interception would be a big deal. Jalen Graham, another guy who on the, at the combine, at the pro day, will look great because he's fast and he's strong and he's got good size, uh, good arm length, that sort of thing. Um, but he could benefit from another big game too because he had some games this year where he didn't look like the same guy because of his injury he was dealing with. 
Uh, Aiden O'Connell, of course, is probably one of the more skilled quarterbacks, one of the more ac- uh, accurate quarterbacks, but he's not going to wow you at a combine. So I could come up with this all day. Sullivan, Jack Sullivan's a guy that I think um, uh, probably uh, will get looks by NFL teams, if not get a contract eventually. Um, there's a couple other guys, uh, Durham, Payne Durham, and some other guys uh, that, and I, I don't even know. There, and then there's some that I don't know who's eligible and who's not. A guy like Branson Dean, where you're like, okay, he's he's injured right now. He obviously, I don't think he's able to get healthy enough to play, I don't think. Maybe you can correct me in the comments if I'm wrong. Regardless, I just want to see these guys play one more game. Selfishly, I, uh, I've i loved watching, especially, you know, I just love watching these guys play, um, and I'd like to see them uh, go out with a win as a, as a fan uh, being greedy for what this team has been. I think it'd be pretty fitting for them to come back from that loss and um, have a fun, maybe a dramatic win over a team like LSU, who was, what, top 10 to be in this season, um, and they fell out. LSU, pretty, pretty resilient season two. They fell out, and then they fought back, and then they fell out again, but... Anyway, um, that's about all I got for you. Um, I've got, I'm going to read some comments here, see if there's anything here, and then uh, we'll call it a day. Uh, programming note, I have some work travel and some things that are going to be in my way. I don't know how much I'm going to be able to do post-games for basketball this week. So if, I tu- if you tune in, it might be a little bit different quality because it may be via my phone. It could be uh, hotel Wi-Fi and a different computer, my work computer. I don't know. But I just wanted to give you a heads up, and I do appreciate everyone who's been tuning in and uh, coming here for their uh, kind of post, post-game post rally points, a place where we all get together and talk a little bit about this. do appreciate that. That's been a lot of fun the last couple of weeks, um, and uh, it's nice to see that the numbers up. If you haven't subscribed, please do. If you haven't hit the bell, please do, because that's how I, I generally don't know when I'm going to record and if you're if you've got the bell then i'll probably tell you so uh let's look at this uh gatlin gatlinburg Barris says something i noticed last night being at lucas with purdue fans was that uh the pure joy and no doom cloud hanging over them when the game changed early in the third quarter gotta love the effort i agree felt pretty nice in the place and um i mean i you're probably like me. I think we're all this way. I know there's Chris Harder. He's on here too. Um, came into the game thinking Purdue's probably not going to win this game. They're probably not going to come. The the odds, literal odds, uh, the Vegas odds were against Purdue, and so were the kind of the the feel of the game. Uh, and it didn't it didn't feel horrible um, uh, when it when it turned. It just felt kind of like ah, uh, you know, here it comes. So kind of lousy. Chris Harder says. Uh, Okay, we were up 10-7 for a few minutes. Thank you, sir. So we're up 10-7, and then Michigan got 14, and then Purdue got another field goal in the half. It ended 14-13. Thanks for that. My, I got to tell you, when I'm at a game, I don't know if any of you guys have this. When I'm at a game, sometimes my perspective is way different than when I watch, and I don't know why. It's something about getting up in the emotional part of it because I'm a pretty emotional person. There's a woman next to me. I'm sure she didn't enjoy that, but especially on that flag where O'Connell was getting driven into the ground, I get just red hot at this stuff, white hot. I get so angry. Um, stuff like that happens. I feel like I take it, I, t- I probably take it way too personally. Of course I take it way too personally. And that stuff like that, I'll miss the next player. I'll miss something for a little bit because I'm just still in a kind of a state of angst. I get that way at home, but I can hit the DVR and back it up or watch it. But uh, I kind of wish I didn't do that because I missed some things and there's no really need to get that wet, wrapped up. I can remember a long time ago, this is a sidebar, uh, Jay and I went to see Purdue play Duke in Houston in the 
uh, round of 16, the NCAA tournament. And in that game, oh, what happened? Chris Kramer, something happened with Chris Kramer. It was, and it was a, it was a hard intentional foul, if I remember correctly. And I can remember we felt like we wanted to run on the court and brawl. We were like angry. Um, we're a few years younger, uh, but it's a dumb way to get. But we were taking like stuff personally, which you shouldn't take personally. Thank God uh, I don't get at that state very often. But it's a dumb thing to do and get overly emotional. Anyway, sorry, it's a hell of a sidebar. Motor City Boiler says, uh, I didn't see the presser. Did Brom talk about why he didn't go for the TD over the field goal in the fourth? Okay, hey, I got a comment. I don't know. I haven't seen Brom's comment. But I think Purdue was down 17 at that point. So I thought the same thing. It felt a bit like a white flag, like, okay, we're not going to do it. But if they were down 17, which I believe they were, because the spread was 16 and a half at the start of kickoff, you have to get two touchdowns and a field goal. So it actually makes sense if you look at it that way. I'm sure Brom said that. And if you guys don't say that below, that's, um, yeah. Um, South Haven Boiler says, we can't complain about what bowl we go to when we don't travel to Indy very well. See, this is the same thing. Um, I, I, I don't, this line of... Uh, this is kind of like, a, I don't want to say straw man argument, but South Haven Boiler, I don't know who you are. Go to the game. You be the change that you want to be. I try to go to as many games as I can. My son's in the room right here. He and I are kind of uh, one and two when we go. My wife, we had talked. My wife was, uh, I think I told you guys, she was happy and excited that the possibility Purdue could go to Pasadena if they won the game yesterday. And she was like, she was like wound up. She went to the Rose Bowl with me last time. She's not a big Purdue football traveler, but we were going to go to that. This type of thing, when you say things that indict an entire fan base, I don't like that. Uh, sorry, I don't like it. Because the people that are there, when you go to these games, they are diehards. It was great before the game. If you were in certain places, we were in Bullseye, had such a good time in Bullseye that uh, got to hang around with a bunch of ex-Purdue football players, some ex-Michigan football players, great atmosphere. Um, but people were excited. There were more Michigan fans there. There were, um, but, uh, you, you do understand this too. You're not so naive to understand that, to not understand that Michigan is a national brand. There are tons of people that have no connection to the university of Michigan that just root for them. I worked in the state of Michigan. I know that people to go Eastern Michigan and Western Michigan and Central Michigan root for university of Michigan. And it is not that way for Purdue. It might be that way for IU. It might be that way for Notre Dame. It's not that way for Purdue. So I have a hard time with this type of thing. Huh? Yeah, it's definitely that way for Notre Dame. It's not that way for Purdue, though. If you're a Purdue fan, generally, you graduated there, or your dad graduated there, or your brother went there, right? Or you lived in West Lafayette. There's not much more. You don't get that much further outside of that. So Purdue's a different animal, and I love the Purdue fans that I know. I think we've got a great fan base. People like you guys are here, and you are living and dying by this stuff. So, yeah, sorry. Uh, Nathan Anderson says, yeah, Brown was saying those were situational decisions. Okay, uh, Kurt... Schnipple says, uh, next day thoughts, still so damn proud of these guys. Same. And I, the, the whole season, my overarching thing, like I said, I want to see him go to a bowl and win. It'd be a fitting cap to fight back. Uh, this team has done it all year, and I, I think they're very capable of doing it. Um, Motor City Bowler says, those are some fancy eyeglasses, B. Dowd. Did you just get an, an interception or something? Yeah, that is a weird thing. All these... Inter, uh, you know, the turnover chains and whatever. I don't know if Michigan does that just for interceptions or if is it, but if you didn't catch it, Michigan defenders get weird framed glasses when they get a turnover. It's so dumb and forced, but yeah, 
I got these because I, I had a turn. I, I got a turnover yesterday. Uh, Chris Harder, uh, my buddy, again says, "How about those Indiana Indiana Boilermakers?" Uh, the band on George Street kept saying we were the Indiana Boilermakers. Yeah, um, yeah. The Georgia Georgia Street my, uh, MC was tough to swallow for me. I don't think he had any connection to either school. Uh, when I went by, it was a British guy, right? And uh, he was talking about soccer and making some weird parallels and. Uh, at that point, we we were downtown at 2.30, I think, 2.40, something like that. And it was jam-packed with Michigan fans. And it makes a lot of sense, right? If they, if they spent the night, they're going to come in downtown, just hang out, and enjoy the atmosphere. Even if you're not even going to the game, you're going to do that. Uh, at that point, it, there were hardly any Purdue fans around. But I did get to meet a couple of people that listen to BS, watch BS. Appreciate you guys. That was awesome. Um, going into the Fan Fest, excellent. Always good to talk to you guys. Uh, put a face with uh, a name. When I, when I have known you for years, literally, virtually, that's tons of fun. And that's what these things are about. Like the, the time that you spend together with people that you get to catch up with, the reunion feel. I got to see a couple of my friends um, from college. They're actually really good friends of my younger brother. And the uh, – sorry, my son is taking a picture for – I don't know if it's for Snapchat or what it is. Um, but – we got to we I got to see a couple of people I haven't seen in a little while in a couple of months and they've gone through some crap right so catching up with them giving them a hug and you know having a bit of reunion that's that's stuff that matters sorry damn it um, anyway um, dang uh, thanks to everybody who tuned in um, God bless you guys hammer down uh, I hope you had a good day yesterday I had a great time in spite of the game. Um, the game result, but it was, uh, uh, it was good to be with a bunch of Purdue family and great to be with my son. Great to be with my brother and my nephew, my dad, my other brother. That's what makes this thing for me. That's it. So, um, I hope, uh, Purdue gets a good bowl draw. I'm excited to see what's coming next. Uh, check out the Twitter feed. I gave nine thoughts, um, a thread that just kind of talks about what I thought about the entire game. Uh, you heard it here as well whichever way you like to do it. But um, again, have a great day. Hammer down. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. See ya.